0: Join us, we're gonna kick off this new year with some worship. means is for the next two songs as part of our worship set we're going to just take time there's four booths you can see because they have candles on them you're going to take the elements go to one of those bring it back and you can take it to your seat and uh it's going to be a time to just reflect i love communion sunday because there's a verse hold on i gotta get my verses right (laughs) matthew 26 26 through 28 says this while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he gave thanks, had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, and this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I read this verse a million times, but I felt like recently the thing that stuck out to me was the fact that God, in, that Jesus invited Judas, who he knew was about to betray him, literally about to betray him, to participate. He said, all of you, not only Judas, Judas gets the worst rep because he was the outright betrayer, but everybody left. I mean, literally a couple hours later, the disciples are nowhere to be found. His best friends, the people who he spent three years of his life with, pouring into being there for everything. And I mean, if you have a perfect friend, that's tough to come by and they did on him and I think that's the power of this moment that's why this matters that's why communion is important because communion is not just about doing some religious observance it is not about going through the steps people get really weird about communion some people feel uncomfortable because they don't really know you know what to do go to certain churches you have to be a member to be able to participate uh, if you don't belong to their specific thing, you can't do it. And the whole point is, I feel like Jesus is saying the same thing to us, all of you. If you are in relationship with Him, come, receive it. Why? Because this is a moment to remember. It's a moment to remember that we all are the betrayer. You and I alike. If I said who's innocent in this room, could anybody raise their hand? The answer is no. <laughs> because this is a moment that reminds us we are not worthy so we don't earn the worthy card anymore we don't use that try to throw that out use that language now this is a moment of celebration it is a moment a moment of gratitude is a moment of worship and that's exactly what we're going to do over the next two songs we're going to worship and can i encourage you do not rush this this is your opportunity if you've got stuff between you and god work it out. Handle it. Offer it to him. Confess it to him. Give it to him. You got guilt, you got shame, you got stuff that you don't want to take into 2020 with you. Leave it here this morning. Let this worship set. Let this moment be a moment not to just sing songs cuz we don't, you know, we don't know what else to do with 20 minutes. This is a moment for you to engage with God in a very intimate personal way. This is free moments to engage with God. So I'm gonna pray over over this moment of communion and I'm gonna encourage you to engage with God as he invites you into relationship to remember your relationship once more. God, as we sing and as we partake in communion, I pray that we remember. God, that we see that we are. You are You are not gonna argue with us that we are unworthy. You're gonna agree with us, we are. It just it has no bearing on the situation it is irrelevant in fact it is the prerequisite for relationship with you not only is it is it not the hindrance it is necessary for us to recognize it because then and only then can we own it and once we own it we can give it to you so father this morning I pray against the lies of the enemy as we sang The devil know not today, I pray that this would be a day that nothing gets in the way of what you intend to do in connecting with us and connecting with our hearts this morning. That we would be available and ready for what you have in store. That it would change our worship, that it would become a moment of praise as we stand in awe of how good you are. In your name we pray, amen. Just a word, suddenly I'm not afraid, cause you speak, your freedom reigns, there is hope, in every single word. in the waters, holding back the sea, should I ever need reminding, of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears no burden, another died for me, there is another in the Sing this together. On my dead let the dead Beneath the waters Come on. I'm no longer a slave To my sin anymore Yeah, yeah, yeah. And should I fall In the space between What remains of me And this me. Either way I won't bow To the things of this world I know serve a good God you may be seated I'm gonna take the minute next minute or two and just talk to y'all about giving I've read this verse before but it always sticks out to me because I feel like it's the heartbeat of what God has for us what he desires for us Luke 6:38 says give and it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The thing I've learned about God with my, with my finances, and when we talk about money, it's, it's one of those things that I know make people uncomfortable, but I, I'm not sorry, we're not sorry, because I really truly believe with all of my heart that this is one of those areas that God truly wants to bless us, I do. I believe that this and i've seen this so evident in my own life god put it on my heart years ago to go to college and i had a thousand dollars to my name at a call and he led me to go to a college that charged like 35 dollars a year to go to to attend you do the math somehow i was able to finish two and a half years at that college and and get my bible degree and god is I just see it time and time again, and it's not just me. It's not because I'm special, because I'm different, because of, I'm a pastor, because I'm da-da-da-da-da, whatever, you fill in the blank. It's just the fact that God really is that generous, and it's not just financially. He blesses us in all kinds of ways. The other night, but while Christmas was gone, I sat with my parents, and hearing their story about, you know, being where they started and me being born and brought into an apartment that's like a one-bedroom apartment that we all shared together and as a newborn, I asked them, like when you started ministry all those years ago, when you, when you got started and you were sitting in your little one-bedroom and you guys didn't know how you would do Christmas presents or if you could afford a tree or whatever, did you ever think in all those years that you would look at your future and that today we'd be sitting here with this gorgeous christmas tree this beautiful family full family that loves each other warmth not just by the fire but by the relationship that was cultivated god has blessed us in immense ways more than just the tangible the physical he blesses us relationally he he blesses us he does bless us financially but i've seen that it is so much more dynamic we we we're so we can be so like, you know, one track minded in this area. And I think this is something that in the year 2020, my prayer is that as you step out, you would start to see God step in. We never are able to see God step in when we don't first choose to step out. Even Moses it said that he walked, started walking into the lake, the, or the Dead Sea before it, it parted. The, the Red Sea. Yeah, I said the Dead Sea. That's a different sea. <laughs> yeah. But that was a moment that was incredible and powerful, but everything takes a leap of faith, a step first. I believe that God wants to pour out on you this year. I believe that God wants to show up. I, my prayer is that you get uncomfortable with how present God is in your life. It's to the point where you're like, dang, I didn't actually think God was like that invested, that interested. But now I realize like he's in it, in it. It almost just gets us to the point where like, dang, I don't even know what to do with all that. That we are just overwhelmed by his presence, overwhelmed by his his graciousness, by his generosity. So as the ushers come, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to encourage you this morning. How do you want your legacy to be left in this year? As we approach 2020 and we kick off. Prayers that each of us live lives that fight to keep up with the generosity of God in our story. Plain and simple. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Thank you that you are so faithful, so generous. I can count numerous moments and times where you've shown up and blessed us in ways that just seem so unlikely. I pray, Father, that as, as the buckets go around and as you we continue on in our time of worship that you would just continue to speak to our hearts that we would know your presence in a way that we've yet to know it god that 2020 would be a year of intimacy in our relationships with you unlike ever before seen god that you would just do work in our hearts. thank you in the name of jesus we pray amen while those buckets are going on we've got a couple announcements for you
1: it's more than just a couple hey i'm erica
2: good morning journey church hi good morning i'm allison all right this time thanks so much for you fifth and sixth graders for hanging out with us but you are dismissed all right we're gonna watch a little video um i want to just first explain um a little bit about night to shine last year i went to pastor dave and i said i had this idea if we could um throw a special needs prom. So Night to Shine is a special needs prom held here in the Antelope Valley. This is gonna be our year two. Um, It's for um, people with special needs. It's ages 14 and up. Last year, who was a part of the event? Can we hear you? Who wants to be a part of it this year? So this is our recap video from last year. Um, It is. I just wanna say that last year, Journey came out with more financial um, sponsorships. Um, in areas we had the energy, just the presence, that's LFA, Lancaster First Assembly, is the church that we spon- uh, partnered with last year, and they this year they just were so excited about us returning because they just said the, the energy that every one of us from Journey brought was what really made that night. So you guys just jumped in and filled in, and I hope that we have the same outcome um, and same results. So thankfully, Dave um, was excited in, when I told him my journey and my vision and said, okay, you go, and I went. And so here's our recap video from last year.
0: Ladies and gents, welcome. Center Spa
1: get involved. So if you have a heart or desire or any even an interest, um, go ahead and head over to the hotspot and uh, get some more information. Uh, next up, hey, where are my crashers at? Yeah, the crash. All right, we're starting back up. The crash is a youth group for uh, 7th to 12th graders. And you guys are going to have your welcome back get together in the North Auditorium um, this Wednesday at 630, the 15th. So, if you are a teen or you're a parent of a teen and you want more information, stop by the hotspot through these
2: doors and over to your right. We're setting back up. All right, can I hear, for, hear all the moms out there? Woo! All right, on January 18th, save the day, we're having Moms University is coming here to Journey. The enrollment is free and so are the snacks and so are childcare, so go ahead, again, go out to the hotspot and sign up and get some more information. So we talked about the kids, we talked about the moms, where
1: are my guys at? For all you gentlemen, or maybe not so gentlemen, um, the uh, are you a kind guy that likes to sit around and challenge other guys to ax throwing? I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently it's a thing. So if that's you, the Barbarian Circle is a small group for men. It's gonna be starting up in the collective flop at um, 7 p.m. on Thursday. So that's a new date than it was before. So Thursdays, again, if you
2: want more information, hotspot, out these doors, and to the right. Um, one more thing with Night to Shine, I forgot to say, as you can tell, I'm not super comfortable up here. This is not my thing. So this is how much of um, a, the pa- <laughs> thank you, that it's such a huge passion of mine that I'll stand in front of all of you guys to talk about it. But there is, on tu- this Tuesday, if you are interested in being a part of the leadership team and helping me, um, we're having a meeting at four o'clock at Lancaster First Assembly. If you want to talk to me at the hot spot, but there are two, there are trainings that are mandatory, and those are coming up next weekend, the 11th and 12th, and then the following weekend on the 18th. We will have a makeup um, training for anyone who cannot attend, but this is a huge part of the event that we have to get everybody trained. So again, come find me, and um, I could use we could use all your help. Um, here at Journey we love all of our guests and we want to welcome you guys today for coming Um, and just to honor you we have a little something over at the hotspot for you and I saw what it was and it's cookies they look really amazing so go over and get um, your bag of cookies and just to say thank you answer any questions get signed up um, and just welcome you here to Journey all right with that go ahead and stand up
1: and greet a neighbor see you guys next week see you next week thank you
3: grab a seat hey guys happy new year what a crazy thing 2020 oh yeah it's time new year new you 2020 vision all this stuff i'm I'm hearing it all and i'm just got to tell you though i'm really pumped about this new year i'm so excited about the season that we have before us as a church, as a community of followers of Jesus, as people who are inviting other people to come experience the life that Jesus offered. Um, we just have so much to look forward to. Uh, we heard some of the stuff that's happening in the next few weeks. Those are some exciting events. Um, I'm really pumped about a journey that we're inviting all of you on for the next three or four weeks as we turn into the season of like renewing our focus. And we do this at journey with a annual 21-day Prayer and fasting, kind of focus, and we'll kick that off next Sunday, which is the time where we'll tell you a little bit more about it. But we basically, as a church, all gather, you know, like around of whatever our prayer place is in our homes and our, but at, as our hearts are kind of united around a couple things, and we'll be giving you some things that we're praying about for this season. But we just want to get our, our minds, and our hearts, all unified, all kind of dialed in. And so today, um, I'm just going to be talking about some things that I hope, um, although there there are some we've heard, you know, what haven't you heard if you've been around church a while, but I I hope that this just kind of re-inspires some thoughts, some reflections, some focus out of your life. Because let me just ask you, we just wrapped up another year. We just actually wrapped up a decade. How'd it go? How'd it go for you? I mean, is, was it like fantastic? It was like, oh, best 20 years, I mean, 10 years ever. I'm mean, like, you remember 2000 back when we just first hit, two, it was like Y2K, was, it was going to blow up the whole world, everybody's going to, you know, die, starve or whatever. <clears throat> all that stuff that we said and we we're expecting, you know, that two, it was 2006 or so whatever. there's all this predictions. 2007, the world's going to end and all this stuff that's gone on and here we are. And, and none of that's happened, but what has happened? When you think about where you were 10 years ago, when 2000 just rolled around, what was, I'm sorry, 2020, 20 years ago, where were you? I mean, 10 years ago even, one decade ago, where were you as a person? What's changed? Okay, if it's New new year, well, what's new? What's changed about you? I mean, besides the fact that maybe you put on a few, or maybe it's like, hey, I'm going back to the gym after Christmas, or I've got a few more wrinkles, a little, few, you know, a little less hair. What, what is different about you than one year ago even? Are you any different than you were just, just a year ago? <clears throat> Think about it for a moment. As you look back on this past decade, this past year, what are your thoughts and feelings? What, what kind of emotion does it bring out of you when you kind of reflect? When you're kind of glancing back, what are some of the greatest accomplishments? Do you think of any successes like, oh man, I nailed it, I killed it. This was an area I feel really, really good about. What are some areas that you feel disappointed? Um, maybe, Maybe failures, things that you feel a little regretful or just devastated about. Losses or something. I mean, time's passing, right? Time's moving. So as we think about that, as we talk about this, every time we get to this point of our year, Um, People could launch into the New Year's resolutions and all that. I used to be a really big, you know, resolution kind of guy. I'm I'm, I'm not so much anymore. I just really get tired of, you know, if I want to be a failure, I don't need to make a list and just tell myself, you know, three months from now what a failure I am. So I I just try to make it really simple. And I want to move forward in one or two key areas of my life each season and just keep doing that. Just keep doing that. And I find that over time, it's the things that I do—the smaller, fewer things—that I really focus on, rather than the immense, massive, you know, 50 things that I really actually accomplish. And it changes me. So I'm, I'm moving forward that year, that way this year, and uh, I'm, I'm inviting you to. But it reminds me, as I think about this time of year and we're doing what we're doing, is we're kind of preparing for a brand new decade, brand new season. I'm, I'm reminded of youth ministry. Back in youth ministry around New Year's, we'd always have this New Year's party. And what we do at New Year's party is we'd have, uh, we break them into teams. And one of the things that the teams did was we played this obstacle course game. So we took one person from each of the four or five teams, blindfolded them, and we put them at the back of the room. And then we filled the room with all kinds of trash cans and chairs and tables and all different kinds of obstacles. And then we put four callers or four captains on the stage and they had to guide their team member through the obstacle course, but their team member was blindfolded. So completely blindfolded, completely not able to see <coughs> at all <coughs> where they were going, and the person on the stage had to guide them to a safe destination. When they reached there, the prize, the prize was like you know, free you know, registration for camp, which was a lot, or free T-shirt, or pro- you know, something like that, or something, even if you got second or third, you probably got something really terrible for you that tasted really good. So something like that. The game was hilarious because what happened is the minute they started yelling from the stage, of course, all the other teams tried to confuse the players that weren't on their team. And so they were yelling other commands. They were giving their their voices louder than the person on the stage. And it was just mayhem. The funny thing is, as I remember that, as I think about that, that's kind of what this message is about. It's because there are... So many ways that you and I just kind of stumble along in life and we are ending up places we never intended to be. We're all moving somewhere, whether you're, whether you're doing it on purpose or whether it's just kind of life is just kind of leading you. You're just going with the flow. You are going to end up somewhere one decade from now. You're going to end up somewhere one year from now. Things are gonna move your life in a certain direction. So I wanna just help you evaluate, what is the prize? <clears throat> what is the goal? What is the end destination? What is the win? Where are you headed with this year, with this? Do you have a mark that you're kinda of like aiming for? Or particularly for this season, where, where are you headed? <clears throat> to put it into perspective, I just wanna ask you this simple, what is your prize? What is the prize? If you accomplished exactly what you set out to accomplish this year, what would be different about you? I mean, if you were like, whatever you're pursuing, whatever it is that you get up and go to work to accomplish every day, if you, if you reach that final destination, if you finally got the trophy, the flag, the, the banner, whatever, the bank account, if you finally got what it is that you were putting all your life and energy, spending your one and only life on, not to depress you, that if you really, if you got it, what is it? And for a lot of us, we just like, it's, it's ethereal, it's kind of like nebulous, it's happiness, whatever that is. And that change, it's a moving target. So I'm just curious, what is, what is the prize? What are you after? What's your goal? Um, and because whether you know it or not, we're kind of moving that direction. So many people that I run into, so many people that I, I just care about that I watch, I just find that they are like the, the, the students that were in the game. They're just kind of crashing through life. I mean, they're listening to this voice and then that voice and this opinion and that opinion. Oh, this year it's this thing you got to have and next year it's that thing. Right now I'm all about my relationship with this person or getting a relationship or getting married or getting unmarried. I mean, I'm all about that. It's like whatever, they're about that. And they just kind of are moving through. But here's the thing. At the end of the game, everybody had to take off the bandanas when we called time and they had to find out where they were. And it was the craziest thing because so many of them found themselves on the opposite end of where they were thinking they were headed, but they had no idea because they couldn't see. They were depending on the voices in their life to guide them. How many people in your life, how about you? Are you depending on reliable voices to guide you? Are you, are you making your way along? stumbling through things because you can't see it all you can't know the future you don't see from thirty thousand feet up you see right from your square i mean you are like three feet off the ground four feet five feet six feet off the ground at any given time you can only see that so what voices what influence what's guiding you to your destination i i don't want you to be the person who wakes up at the end of your life like so many times when i go i do funerals and that's just not one of the fun things that I do, but as I am there, so many times, the conversations at and before the funeral, after the funeral, are like, people are like, man, it just make, it really makes you think, doesn't it? it? Really makes you think, like, what are they gonna say about me? What, what is my life about? What, if, if, if that's me next year, what will I have been, done, said, accomplished, and w- will my life matter? And I don't want you to be the one who gets there to the other side of whatever, you know, that experience feels like, Have the mask pulled off or the bandana pulled off and you see what life was all about and you just are like, oh my gosh, I'm not even close to what I thought it was. That's why I want to spend time doing something that is just kind of reminding us, drawing our attention back to the ultimate prize. And what we're going to do today is is I want to share with you one of the most successful as it comes to spiritual terms, as it comes to making a difference and an impact on our world, one of the most successful men that ever lived. As a matter of fact, whether you are a follower of Jesus, whether you are completely from a different religious system or don't have any at all, and you're just here with a friend, you have been impacted and influenced by this guy, whether you know it or not, directly or indirectly. <clears throat> he, has impicked, he has impacted us all because this is a guy that, that when we first hear of him, when he first enters the scene, he's known as Saul of Tarsus, his Jewish roots. He's a man named Saul. He's from Tarsus, and that's how he's known. But what we find is Saul of Tarsus had a radical encounter when, and he began using his Roman name, that is Paul the Apostle. And maybe encouraging for some of you to know that the the story that we're talking about today, the experience, that Paul's prize was actually... a response he's going to outline for us where he's headed what he's aiming at what his whole life is about he's going to tell us this is really what i'm i'm zooming in on this of all the other things in life i could be about this is what i'm making the focus of this point of my life the rest of my life is going to be about this and when we when we discover that i want you to know that the reason he can say that it's born out of failure It's born out of pain. It's born out of an actual experience where he realized he was the blind guy bumping through life, thinking he had absolutely every indication of where he was going. He knew exactly what he wanted, and he was on the path to success. And he realized that it was the opposite. He was in complete opposite territory what he expected. So this may be encouraging for some of you that his response, his new direction came out of failure, out of loss, out of real, real disappointment in his life. Because when Saul stepped into history as a person, his goal, his agenda, his purpose, if you would, his prize, what he wanted to accomplish in life was to destroy an upstart religious sect that had spun off of Judaism, his religious faith, the, the faith of Abraham, Moses, and you know, Isaac, and all these people. He, this, this faith, he felt like they were, they were taking his religious faith movement in a completely wrong direction. This rabbi had come on the scene named Jesus and he was drawing huge crowds to himself and they were basically ignoring the traditions of the fathers, not the old covenant, not the, he was fulfilling the covenant exactly, but he was doing it differently than they had done it and that they wanted it done. He was completely changing the way they looked at God, the way they understood their relationship, their connection with God and, and how who is, who's allowed to approach him. I mean this is a guy who was hanging out with as tyler said last week he was a friend of sinners he was known as like a guy who hangs around the rabble the low class the worst of the worst now how could this guy be the messiah of the religious people because he's hanging out with the religious people i mean prostitutes and tax collectors are the ones that are hanging out at his parties i mean this is what is going on here so paul saul of tarsus made it his goal he was so zealous for the faith of abraham and his descendants in the old covenant the the realization of what they his interpretation of what that looked like he was so zealous for that that he set it as his goal his prize his ambition to destroy this new movement this little work of jesus and his followers because what he saw was he had to stomp it out because The entire religious world was being disturbed the balance of power that the Jews experienced under Rome the Roman captors the Roman rulers it was so delicate and this guy was messing he was drawing the attention of Rome and that was going to cause a disruption in the power balance and after Jesus was crucified Paul started going around since that he was he was like so happy I'm sure that Jesus finally was killed then he started going around rounding up all of his followers like, huh, got rid of your boss. Let's get rid of you. He was having them arrested. He was having some of them tortured. He was literally having some of them killed for their faith in this Jewish rabbi, Jesus, the one who claimed to be God's son, the Messiah. And he was trying to convince them through the punishment and scare tactics against this select group. He was hoping that the rest of them would just basically break up and return to the faith that he and his forefathers, the Jewish Judaism faith of the first century. And he had a track record of being very violent, very aggressive against anybody who he thought was not serving God, God's his way. So then he meets with this. But the problem was he had an encounter. As Paul was literally, Saul was literally going from one community to another to arrest more Christians. He had a blinding light experience where he heard a voice from heaven and a light shined so brightly it knocked him off his donkey, off his mule. And he found himself on the ground and he literally is like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The voice said, he goes, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus I'm the one that you are persecuting. And he was so, ex- like, absolutely blown away by the experience. He was so turned around by this experience that he wanders around blind for, for a little bit of time. Jesus literally let him see that he was spiritually blind. He stumbled around the city until he found a person who explained to him what had happened, prayed over him, his eyes were, you know, opened, and he could see. And finally, he could literally see where he was, where he'd been, where he was going. He meets the resurrected Jesus and he's like, oh no, I thought I was working for God, but I'm actually working against God. And he's got all this past in his conscience. Just think about the rest of his life. If this were you, picture this, the rest of his life he will be walking into communities because he felt it was his job to go all throughout the whole Roman world and preach the good news of Jesus after this encounter. But imagine you go to a community where you had already been. And you've got to convince the people who are now gathered there under the banner of Jesus that you are one of them. When you had actually been the one who had gone to the city, gotten their their leaders from their little faith community and had them thrown in prison. Some of them were tortured. You had to look in the eye that mom whose husband, that, that little child whose, whose father never came home. That woman whose husband that you had taken and put to, you know, like like Stephen, who had stoned to death. How, how many of you, How many of those would it take before you were just like, oh my gosh, I can never do this? He had to look at those people now. He had to know for the rest of his life that he was responsible for the blood of these people. So he's got all that going on, right? His former prize, stamping out the movement of Jesus. Talk about a bad season. Talk about a wake-up call. I'd hate to be Paul. Paul. As a matter of fact, he kind of hated to be himself for a while. Look what he said about himself in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. He goes, I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. He got it wrong because like a lot of religious people, he had a twisted view of God. He completely misunderstood what God was up to in the world. I mean, how many religious people have you met that they, they feel like it is their responsibility that what God is up to is condemning people and getting ready for hell. Just basically to blast them all. He's preparing for judgment. That's really what God is about. He's a judge and, he, and he's wrathful and he's angry and we've messed up his world. We've messed up the way he intended things to be and he's, he's out to get us. I mean, how many of us have that, that early, you know, mythological view of God that he's like us, his emotions are like us and his attitudes are like us? I mean, this is what so many religious people are like well god's really ticked off he hates people and, and he's out to get them and although we don't say that they think god loves christians but he hates everybody out they're enemies everybody else that's not in our little circle they're they're basically the enemy and what we find is that that's where paul spent most of his life He had made his prize to to become the greatest Jew, the the highest standard of living possible under the spiritual law was to be a Pharisee and a teacher of the law, and he made it like I was the best of the best. Even punishing everyone, who tried to change the game or or oppose his system of beliefs. Basically, he was chasing a behavior modification plan. He was trying to earn God's favor. And, And he was mentally, morally, intellectually, spiritually... He was like, I'm, I'm like better than everybody I know. But all of a sudden he realizes, he discovered, he'd been following the wrong voice. He'd been understanding God the wrong way. Because what he was thinking is in his letter to the church of Philippi, Paul, he starts talking about what he'd been counting on to get him there with God. He thought it was all about, first of all, his lineage. That you had to be born in the right, rela- the right race. Hebrew, you had to be Jewish. This is a Jewish world from a Jewish God. It's a Jewish kingdom. It's coming to rule. He's sending a Jewish Messiah to rule to rescue the Jewish people, and that's it's all about us. It's us inside, and then those are everybody else is outside. I mean, there are ways that you can become one of us, but you basically have to divorce yourself from everything you know and become one of our culture. But he basically viewed it like this: is there's an us and them, and God's really going to bless us, and He's really angry at them. Paul's new prize comes directly out of his experience with his losing. I just want to read this. Philippians 3, and it's a long passage, so just bear with me. I think it's so important, Paul's process, what he realizes. He goes, we, now he's talking to the church of Philippi, the followers of Jesus that he had now begun to lead, we put no confidence in human effort. Now, right? Now. He used to. Though I could have put confidence in my own effort if anybody could, indeed, If others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. In other words, if we're gonna go play the game like it's all about what I can do for God, well, let me tell you where I come from. I was circumcised when I was eight days old, right? Fulfilling the Jewish custom. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. I once thought this is the kind of God I serve. I once thought that this is what God is about. It's human behavior modification, fixing myself. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I've discarded everything else, counting that it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. I mean, you talk about a game plan. You talk about a game changer. This changes everything from I'm responsible to make myself right before God to... God did it for me through Jesus, right? For God's way of making us right with himself depends on, what's that word? Faith. Say it again. God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. You. If anybody here is wondering, how do I get right with God? He just told you. Depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience my computer's crashing. <clears throat> old school I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience a resurrection from the dead pressing toward the goal I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached this perfection but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. i just thinking, man, what incredible words. I see. Three powerful truths and basically like steps that Paul was taking in his journey to refocus to re-experience life God's way when he pulled off that little bandit when God literally pulled the mask or the, the cover from his eyes and he could see again he's like man I realize I realize where I've been wrong I see three truths I wanted to share with you briefly today first review Paul's looking at where he comes from Paul stopped to look back and he says you know what I used to trust what I could do for God. And, and I really thought that that's what God was up to because from the old covenant it was all about fulfilling. So I thought God was a checkbox kind of God. I thought if we checked the right boxes, the do boxes, and we didn't do the don't boxes and then we were good. And the more do boxes, the better God liked me, the more don't boxes I checked. I'm like the worst God liked me and so I had to keep a balance, right? I always had to have more good than bad because you know that's, that's how I view God. He's saying, I used to see God this way. And as I review where I come from, I see how much my human effort brought me to a place of desperation. Because even though compared to everybody else, I was great, I was not great compared to God. After he met Jesus, everything changed, including what he thought about God and what God was about. Before he encountered Jesus, Paul, man, he was super competitive. And he was like, I'm going to be the most spiritual, the most righteous, the most intelligent. I- I'm gonna, like, as a human, I'm going to be the most evolved human I can be. And I'm going to earn God's love by all my hard work and effort. I'm going to make God so happy with me. And even here, he excelled. I have confidence. If everybody had confidence, I do. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence, I have more. Circumcised, he goes into all that, pure-blooded Israelite, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisees, strict disobedience to the law, I was so zealous. I, been pers- he goes on and says, that's what I was, I, I review my life. This is what I used to believe. I'm really good at reviewing, <clears throat> but sometimes my review, it, it helps me realize, and really what it does is it reveals that I'm still living in that system. I wonder how many of you are still living under that kind of God, that you, you think that God is a checkbox kind of God, that if I get the enough good, I'll put money in the offering, i am served us, that, that thing that they're doing, you know, night to shine, I'm, I'm helping out around here. Um, that'll take care of what I did in Vegas that time. Maybe that'll counterbalance what I did over the new year. You know, that wasn't so good, but, you know, hey, I don't remember it anyway. So I'm just wondering, what, how many boxes do I have to check to make to make God not mad at me? I wonder how many of you slip back into that religious system when you get your when you're hearing the voices and and the and you, and you allow yourself to be brought back into the culture of our world and all the mythical religious systems out there or the gods the little g gods that how many of these cantankerous human like beings are out there that we kind of fall prey to the belief that God is like us and that God is he's just like cranky and he's up to you know punishing people and that's what, it, what he's all about. I wonder how many of us have a really twisted view of God. We hear it from Jesus. We read about it. We come in here. We, we worship and sing about how amazing God is, how great his grace is, how free his love is, and how much I can step into it by choice, by faith. And then I just go right back to tr- daily acting as if God is not this God. He's not my father. He's not leading me. He's not guiding me. He's not up to good in my life. And I go back to this. And Paul... I'll learn that God is not grading on a curve. How About you, but when I was in school, I, I didn't always put my best effort in. And so every now and then you will get your little test paper back, and on it you get like that, you know, 66 out of 100 circled in red, you know, and there's a grade on that. But you, so my teacher didn't put the grade on it; she just put the the number and circled it real big in red. And so what is the first thing I do when I got my big red circle 66? Is I do this. This guy had a 54, I look over here, he had a 42, I'm an A, you know, I'm valedictorian of this crowd, you know, I'm like, I'm, as long as they're doing worse, I'm good. And, and Paul, as he reviewed his life, he's like, I used to think that comparing myself against people around me, I could find a way to feel better about myself, and if that's what you're doing, he's like, man, that's part of the blindness that Satan had me in, is that I used to think that I could be right with God by what I did. And if I compare it, you know, if it's like standing before God with all my buddies, I'm like, I'm definitely better than them. If it's like standing before him against my neighbor or even the person that sits in front of me at church, I know what he's doing. So I'm good. And Paul's like, I used to think that way. About, I, as I review my life, I realized that I used to trust myself to be right with God. And I realized when I met Jesus that there was no hope of me ever attaining the righteousness God wants. I'm done. Filthy rags minstrel clause is literally the translation it's like i am so disgusting in my own view i look i look so disgusting that i cannot i can't clean what's, i can't fix what's broken it's not just making bad persons good it's making dead persons alive it can't so he goes back he goes i I look i look back and i realize where i come from then he what does he do then he releases it It's not just about looking back. Ultimately, we have to release the past in order to break its hold on our present and our future. We have to release the past. In other words, how do we do that? Well, Paul said, man, I learned that I put faith in Jesus and I gave him all that I had tried to do, all that I had done wrong, and even all that stuff. Can you imagine the guilt and the conscience of a guy who'd done the things he had done? Again, compared to him, I feel pretty good. I've done some really stupid stuff. Never killed anybody. Never had anybody tortured. I'm like, well, I guess if Paul's good, I'm good. Not as righteous as he used to be, but I'm like, he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. I, I haven't done this on my own, but I focus on this one thing. Uh, forgetting what is past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I, I forget the past. What was behind Paul? All the failure, the aggression, punishment of the church. Death and crucifixion or whatever, uh, you know, torture of, of individuals that were following. Paul basically learned that before he can go forward, he has to process the past, but he has to surrender it. How do you manage your past? How do you get out from under the guilt of your past? Paul learned it was this way. John even recorded in 1 John 1.9. It's, it's through confession. If I confess my sins, confessing just means I agree with God that I did it. I just admit it and own it and quit trying to justify it or excuse it. Yeah, I did it. And yeah, I completely meant to. When I lied or stole or did this or said that about that person, when I thought those thoughts or I did those things, yeah, that was me. I can't pretend. I accept what I've done, but I can't fix what I've done. So I confess it, I own it, and I ask you to forgive it. And that's where Paul says, that's when we release it to God, once he has received it, once it's under Christ and what he has done. When I, by faith, put it under Jesus' blood and what he did on the cross, I'm free. Our past is forgiven. So release it to God. I know some of you are carrying right now the garbage from 20 years ago. Something you did as a kid. Something you did that something was done to you. Carrying all this stuff in your present life is literally just shrouded in this Yuck, that you can't escape. You look at yourself a certain way. You look at the world around you a certain way because of things that have happened. And Paul's saying, listen, you cannot live in the past and move forward in the future God has for you. You've got to let go of it. Release it. Confess it and release it. And I know some of you are like, yeah, but you don't understand. Um, I cheated on my spouse or whatever. I'm like, well, then don't expect them to be instantly like trusting Forgiveness is something we have to offer as commanded by God, but trust takes time. You broke somebody's trust, and it's going to take time for them to understand, and believe me, Paul knew this. Every church he went to, he had to first say, okay, I really am an apostle. I'm a good guy. I'm on your side now. I'm not here to cause any trouble. I'm not here secretly, like, trying to get in there and then capture all of you. I really, I mean, he had to live with the consequences of his choices, but he said to himself before God in his own conscience, I'm free. I'm clear. Jesus paid for it, I release it. I think some of you just need, man, if the one thing you could do for yourself and your good and your family and your future and your mental outlook and your depression issues or whatever, your coping mechanism is just receive the grace of God on your behalf. The the God that we read about is the Jesus who said, you know, the shepherd... The shepherd that's a good shepherd he leaves 99 that are doing okay to chase down the one who's gotten off and destroyed that's the son who went away and did all the evil things against his father and then when he finally came home his father celebrated. that's the kind of God you are serving you need to understand take the right perspective of him Paul he said I forget what is behind I forget it final thing refocus so then what do I do I understand what I've been counting on. I, I realize that my life has been about these things. I bring it, it brings it to a point where I, I literally I bring it all to Jesus and I receive by grace, by faith, what he's done. Then what? Well, Paul says, this one thing I do. Not 40 things, not 300 things, not all the religious. You know, this one thing I do. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Press on to what? The high calling, the mark. I I literally press on and basically, I I mean I could talk about the 20 things that I want to do this year. I could set goals for all kinds of areas of my life. But folks, as I said, I don't need more to be depressed about. So one thing I'm gonna do this season, particularly this year and and even more specifically in this next 21 days as we launch our fast and our prayer time, I want to make this my goal. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Everything else is worthless when compared with the, the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, that I could gain Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. My prize, my goal, my win, my thing, the thing that my new life is about. Once I took off the, this incredible you know, darkness that I had, I realized that what I want to do now, I want to know him things Paul said happens I want to know him I'm to walk in faith in relationship to him and I want him to transform me so that I can experience anything even torture even death no matter what I'd be I'd be good I'd be no problem I'm I'm good I strain I put all my energy into this I focus I aim the prize the pursuit I have the prize is to really discover and understand Jesus so we're going to just, over the next couple weeks, we just want to kind of break that down. How do we know Jesus? And what does it look like to, to really begin to live in a, in a simple but faith-filled way that we can experience the kind of life that Paul experienced, as transformation that he experienced? What does it mean to know him, walk by faith, to just kind of begin to surrender everything you are to him? We're going to, we're going to explore that. And let's commit to making 2020 the year of knowing Jesus. The year of just like really discovering what he has for us and let me just say that for some of you in this room um, I just want to ask you I want to end with the same question I started with what's your prize what is it you're pursuing right now if you got it then what so can we just make this a year that I'm gonna know more about Jesus this year than I ever have I'm just gonna to begin to read I'm gonna read the Gospels because that's where it tells his story from four different perspectives Matthew Mark Luke and John First four books in the New Testament, I'm going to read those. And I may just live in those for the next, I don't know, six months. I just may just read them again and again. So I really, really know Jesus. I don't want to know the system. See, what pro- problem with Paul is he got caught in the religious trap, all the extra stuff that surrounded the faith that he was in. And it distracted him. It dulled the voice of God. He could no longer hear the voice of God because he was pursuing all this other stuff. I want you to really, really, really tune in to the voice of Jesus. I want you to know it. I want you to be able to discern it from the crowd of other voices. I want you to know Jesus and his voice. And that's what the prayer and fasting is about. It's tuning in to capture once again the voice of Jesus. So as we close, um, what's your prize? What are you straining towards? And and this year, what is it you want to make this one thing, this one thing? I'm in pursuit of this, this one thing. I want this year to be about this one thing for me. I want to know him. I want to pray with you. God, as we close, as we wrap up today, it's going to be a great year. I, I just know, I sense, I just believe that this is going to be a crazy good year for Journey Church and for the folks who come here and, and make this part of their home. It's going to be a transformational season. God, I just am excited about that. But before we get to what's next, I think it's really important that we kind of process where we are. And so for everybody in the room, God, I just pray that you would just kind of do what you did for Paul. Turn on the spotlight. Help us to understand what we've been trusting to make us right with you. And if it's anything other than what Jesus did on our behalf that we receive by faith, then I pray like Paul, we would abandon it. All those things are rubbish. I I don't put any effort to those things. I mean, I don't put any trust in those things. I put my trust in you. I pray, Lord God, as we review that, that we'd also come to this place of releasing them, because some, somebody here today that's carrying a weight that God is just not meant for them that's what the cross was, where you took the weight of the world, the sin of the world and took the punishment of all of ours sin, and I just pray that they would release that, and even just picturing today their sin, their past, their mistake, their failure whatever, literally stapled to the cross and them walking away, hand in hand with you, free I just pray somebody would be set free today from the burden of their past. And God, even more, I pray that the the corporate church, the Journey Church family would just begin to renew their commitment, to refocus their vision on this one thing. I really want to know you. I want to learn how to put my faith in you and just become like you. So this year, Lord, I want to pursue that. It's our prayer, Lord God. We just pray that you'd bring us to this. And we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Stand with me, folks. We're going to sing one last song before we head out today. Let's worship as we prepare to head out.
0: Let us leave lives behind that keep us from moving forward with you father that let this be a moment where we recognize that you are bigger that you see our past our present and our future God that you desire to lead us to build a relationship that lasts father I pray that we would take the words that we heard today and we would apply them and it would allow this year to be our yet, our bet, yes, that your will would be done in each of our worlds. Thank you that you are so faithful, God. In your name we pray, amen. We'll have an incredible Sunday. We look forward to seeing you as we continue on our series.